Good morning, y'all. This is Dana from Financially Compliance Solutions, and I'd like to welcome you into Let's Talk Financial Aid for College. Uh, today's show is going to be covering updates from the department regarding R2T4 final regulations, 2019-2020 uh, deadlines, and the 21-22 FAFSA. Uh, to get off, to start things off, uh, the are, there are a couple of uh, updates that NASFA, if you're a member of NASFA, um, which is the National Association of Student Financial Aid Administrators, um, their reporters are busy at work um, taking um, and covering different topics. And one of the uh, releases to this week uh, was an article by Hugh T. Ferguson which is entitled, Ed Releases Final Regulations Aimed at Restructuring Regulations Related to Distance Education, R2T4 Model Provision, Module Provisions, I should say. Uh, the Department of Education, Ed on Wednesday, released final regulations for distance education in return of Title IV funds requirements for modules, which comes as the novel coronavirus continues to force a number of institutions of higher education to administer their programming through remote learning. The final regulations are one of the several topics discussed during a negotiated rulemaking session last year, which ended in consensus. Ed published a proposed rule in May that reflected the agreed upon language from the negotiated rulemaking committee. The final rule, though largely the same, made a few adjustments based on public commit comment submitted after the proposed rule was published. Quote, the COVID-19 pandemic has shown that a video call is not enough and our outdated rules did not comport with 21st century realities. End quote, said Education Secretary De Betsy DeVos in a press release. Her statement continues, these regulations are to rethink of what is possible for students so that they can learn in ways and places that work best for them. Negotiations to rewrite the distance education regulations, as well as regulations for state authorization, accreditation, faith-based entities, and the teacher education assistance for college and higher ed teach grant program. Formally kicked off in January of 2019, Final rules for teach grant and faith-based entities were released earlier this month, effective July 1st, 2021, and the state authorization and accreditation final rules were released November 2019 and were effective July 1st of 2020. Back in May of this year, NASA submitted comments on Ed's proposed rules on distance education and innovation. Many of the proposed changes fell in line with NASA's modernizing Title IV Aid Task Force recommendations. Key provisions in the final rule include R2-T4 modules. In the final rules, Ed is revising its approach to the treatment of students who complete some, but not all, of the coursework they were scheduled to attend during a payment period to ensure more equitable treatment of such students while maintaining program integrity. Although negotiated rulemaking was conducted under the umbrella topic of distance education, the R2T4 rules apply to all modular programs, whether offered via distance or not. 
currently a student who ceased to attend or failed to begin attendance in a course she or she was scheduled to attend, was not attending other courses and did not provide notification of planned attendance in a course beginning later in the period, is considered a withdrawal. This is the case even if the student completed one or more courses in earlier modules. To account for minor differences in the calendar that may occur, the final rules state that a student who withdraws from a program referred in modules is not considered to have withdrawn for R2T4 purposes if the student completes one module that includes 49% or more of the number of days in the payment period or a combination of modules that when combined contain 49% or more of the number of days in the payment period. Scheduled breaks of five or more consecutive days and all days between modules are excluded from the number of days in the payment period used to calculate whether the modules completed by the student comprise 49% of the payment period. In a change due to the April Notice of Proposed Rulemaking, MPRM, Ed updated Section 668.2216 one six to account for the subscription-based programs clarifying that a program is offered in modules if the program uses a standard term or non-standard term academic calendar is not a subscription-based program and a course or courses in the program do not span the entire length of the payment period or period of enrollment direct assessment programs Presently, Ed requires an institution to obtain approval for every direct assessment DA program it offers. The final rule requires approval only for an institution's first DA program and then for subsequent DA programs at higher credential levels, based on the assumption that an institution's demonstrated capacity and expertise to offer a DA program translates to all DA programs at that credential level and at lower credential levels, but not necessarily to higher credential levels. Subscription-based programs in a change to the April 2020 NPRM, the distance education, the new rule expands the use of subscription-based modules to all types of programs, not just direct assessment programs, the previous rule related to distance education did not address subscription-based programs which are newly defined in the final rule as standard or non-standard term program in which students enroll in subscription periods for a set number of credits to be earned at the student's pace. Charging students on a subscription basis is a relatively rare practice since primarily used by programs with a competency-based model. This new definition sparked the necessity for a new disbursement rules for this program type. The new rule now allows students to be eligible for their next disbursement of federal aid funds when the student has passed a specified portion of their enrolled competencies, regardless of the amount of time elapsed. While the new rule allows institutions to use a subscription-based distribution model for this program type, they are not required to and are still permitted to use the existing framework for the dispersing funds in a non-term program. The new definition is also prompted uh, updates to the Withdrawal and Satisfactory Academic Progress SAP rules surrounding subscription-based programs. The rule clarifies that a student in a subscription-based program is not considered to have withdrawn 
if the student completes all the requirements for graduation. If the student completes one or more modules that comprise 50% or more of the number of days in the payment period, or if the institution obtains written confirmation that the student will resume attendance in a subscription-based program. The current rule regarding SAP applies only to credit hour programs using standard or non-standard terms that are not subscription-based programs and requires that an institution's SAP policy specifies the pace at which a student must progress through his or her educational program to ensure that the student will complete the program within the maximum time frame. The new rule allows institutions with subscription-based programs to also have the option of calculating pace by determining the number of hours that the student should have completed at the evaluation point in order to complete the program within the maximum time frame. Satisfactory academic progress with Respect to SAP, the new language specifies that the PACE requirement does not apply to non-term and subscription-based programs. On the justification that students in these programs must complete 100% of their attempted credits to receive their next disbursement already, so there is no need for a separate PACE calculation. The final rule also adds language that would allow credit hour programs using standard or non-standard terms to base the maximum time frame pace calculation on calendar time in place of dividing earned credits into attempted credits to average a percentage. Institutions have the option of setting a minimum number of credits the student has to have earned by a specific point in the student's academic program to assess pace instead. For an institution similar to the rule proposed in April of this year, the final rule also includes the regulation allowing students enrolled at a foreign institution to complete up to 25% of a program at a U.S. institution. A commenter on the proposed rule asked Ed to consider increasing this percentage to 50% in light of the COVID pandemic, but Ed declined to make those changes. Ed, in its comments, made sure to make clear that although the CARES Act currently authorizes the use of distance education by eligible foreign in institutions and that it does, quote, believe that students benefit from having access to distance learning opportunities, end quote, that the current authority is temporary and tied to national emergency declared on March 13, 2020. The rule also clarifies the conditions under which foreign institutions can enter into written arrangements with Title IV ineligible institutions. The conditions allow for a written arrangement between a foreign institution and a Title IV ineligible entity as long as the ineligible entity provides for no more than 25% of a student's program provided and that the ineligible entity satisfies the definition of, quote, foreign institution, end quote. Institutional certification. The new rule will codify current ed practice that the secretary may deny an institution's application for certification or recertification for Title IV eligibility if the institution is not financially responsible or does not submit its audits in a timely manner. An institution may be found to be not financially responsible if the person who has substantial control over the institution had previous control over an institution that closed
closed without executing a viable teach-out plan or agreement. The language in the rule also enforces that if the ED does not make a decision to grant or deny an institution's request for cert certification within 12 months of an institution's expiration date of its current period of participation, the institution will be granted an automatic, though provisional, recertification. In response to complaints that application reviews are not completed by ED in a timely manner, the final rules requirement quote, prompt, end quote, action by ED on materially completed applications to participate or continue to participate as an eligible institution in the Title IV programs. New additions not included in the MPRM. According to ED, the department received 237 comments from the public, most of which it says were supportive of the proposed rule. The new rule is slated to incorporate a number of suggestions, including allowing acronymous delivery of some courses or portions of courses delivered as part of clock hour programs, as long as licensing bodies permit the use of acronymous learning and will include clock hours earned through asynchronous learning toward the clock hour instruction requirements. Obviously, I need to learn how to pronounce that word. Eliminating proposed changes to financial responsibility regulations pending a future negotiated rulemaking on the topic. Incorporating asynchronous coursework into the definitions of a clock hour and week of instructional time. Modifying the definition of distance education from requiring substantive, substantive interactions on a, quote, predictable and regular, end quote, basis to, quote, predictable and scheduled basis, and clarifying that subscription-based programs are not limited to direct assessment programs by removing the, quote, prior experience, end quote, requirement from written arrangements. The regulations will officially take effect July 1st of 2021, but have been authorized for voluntary early implementation immediately. Schools should weigh the pros and cons of early implementation in light of the current COVID-19 environment. In some circumstances, such as student withdrawals from a program with a modular format, the COVID-19 statutory flexibilities may provide a greater benefit to students than the final rules. It has historically required early implementation if elected by the school to apply across the board to all affected students. And this publication is dated back on uh, September 2nd of 2020. But I found it um, to be interesting and thought I would share it with you all today. Um, you can actually you know, access the copy if you are a member of nasfa.org. Um, and they also, um, there was a link to the, um, a net, the article, I should say, on LinkedIn. Um, there's also um, an interesting article regarding Senate hearing on FAFSA fixes, highlights broad consensus on simplification. Um, I would recommend uh, reading this as well. This just um, actually was tweeted out um, a few minutes ago on uh, their Twitter page. 
and uh, I'm not going to read this in length to you um, just because it is a pretty lengthy um, article but it is interesting and I, I just wanted to highlight that and that was also um, an article written by Hugh T. Ferguson um, NASA reporter um, deadlines so tomorrow is the published deadline for those 2019-2020 ICER corrections and FSA reporting um, that you need to make sure that you have all your verifications for V4, V5 um, reported and uh, get those confirmation pages into your student files so that you are audit compliant. However, um, I would recommend that you not wait till tomorrow um, there is a good possibility, and it's happened years prior, that even though the deadline's published, the um, actual, um, they shut it off sooner rather than later. Uh, so if you um, need to get anything completed, I get it completed today. That's just my advice to you um, to make sure that everything is buttoned up for those files that you have received aid on. Otherwise, you are in jeopardy of having an audit finding or in a program review and uh, that could jeopardize money having to be returned because of uh, incomplete verification reporting. So uh, just uh, make sure you are aware of that and get that taken care of. And lastly, what I'd like to also point out, and there's a lot of buzz going on, is uh, October 1st. As we all know, the 2021-2022 FAFSA is due for, for release. Um, the, let's see, FAS, or Fed, federal aid, I should say, uh, tweeted out a, a little while ago. There is a reminder um, on their Twitter feed as well with regards to, um, it's due to release at 1 a.m on uh, October 1st, Eastern Daylight Time. So uh, just uh, make sure you have all your students ready to complete those um, FAFSA forms and uh, make sure that they know that, you know, they're dealing with 2019 income and tax information, as well as their parents if they are dependent students and require parental information. And uh, that would be better to have those um, FAFSA completed sooner rather than later so that you're not um, having to chase for uh, verification documents. And also I recommend that um, since you're going to have them complete the FAFSAs, you might as well work on your verification documents as well. Get those ready um, for completion and just get those files um, ready to go so that when we're able to start awarding them, they are available. Um, mainly for students that are now seniors in high school, this is an important date for you and your parents um, because as you are on your college search, um, you are going to want to make sure that if you are early decisions, that you um, have everything in place for your financial aid. At least you'll know what your um, estimated family contribution is. You'll know from your student aid report what you're eligible to receive. And uh, even though you may not be able to complete verification um, 
quickly or have your file, I mean, have your file awarded right away, you'll be able to complete verification uh, quickly. So make sure that your parents know that they need to have their um, tax return information available if they're not able to use the internal revenue um, data retrieval tool, which is an option when you are filling out the FAFSA. It's the best way to go when you're filling out the FAFSA so that you are able to pull in that tax information directly. I would recommend as soon as it is released that you um, also download a PDF copy. Um, those are readily available so that you can review the questions before you go online to answer and complete the application. That way you're prepared um, and you also um, have an idea of the answers that need to be applied um, to the application. And Again, the reason why the FAFSA questions are there are to um, basically calculate your estimated family contribution, which correlates with how much you would be eligible to receive in Pell Grant money, if eligible, and also um, subloan eligibility as well. So with having said that, I want to thank everyone for uh, joining me today, and uh, I hope everyone has a great weekend. Um, I also wanted just to extend my thoughts and prayers out to those of you who are being affected right now with the extreme weather um, conditions and the wildfires out west and also um, dealing with the aftermath of the Hurricane Sally. Um, and hopefully uh, things weather-wise start quieting down here uh, for those of us in the U.S. Um, sooner rather than later but my heart goes out to you and uh hopefully things will be getting better um in your neck of the woods soon so everybody have a great day and uh we'll be chatting again next friday for another let's talk financial aid for college take care <music>